Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to More Than Miles, the podcast where we use storytelling and expert interviews to widen the lens on what it means to be a happy and healthy endurance athlete. We believe that athletes are so much more than their body, sport, and training miles. I'm Dr. Kate Mihivik-Edwards. And I'm Dr. Casey Sinders. We are endurance athletes, physical therapists, and huge coffee addicts. We spend most of our time treating, educating, and working with endurance athletes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everybody, to More Than Miles. Today, we're super excited to have Kara Goucher on our show. Kara is a former professional runner, a two-time Olympian, silver medalist in the 10,000-meter World Championships, mom, athlete advisor for Wazell, commentator for NBC, and a fierce advocate for women in all stages of sport. You would be hard-pressed to find anyone who has influenced women's running as deeply and as positively as Kara. Kate and I could have talked to Kara all day long, and she was very generous with her time with us in this episode. We covered so much ground, including her relationship with her family and her grandfather and how that influenced both her early career and her later career. We talked about her recent runner's dystonia diagnosis and her first Botox injection. And we also just talk about women's running in general, her sort of newfound talent in commentating for professional races for NBC. So this is a really, really good one. I know you guys are going to love it. We had so much fun talking to her and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Kara. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And sorry, I'm so late. I'm really bad with time zones and I messed this one up, but I appreciate you women waiting for me. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. That's okay. We're really excited to have you. So we're, we're just glad you're here and it worked out. And you're not the first person to mess up a time zone. We've done it before. <laughs> Problem. Yep. So you've had such an incredible career, Kara, and I've followed you from, I mean, a long time ago, we're around the same age. So um, I guess I am going to say it, Casey, but I guess we're from the same, what did you say the other day? The same era, the same um, era. Yes. yes. So, um, okay. I, so wait, we need to, we need to explain this to Kara because um, she probably hasn't listened to the Amy Bagley podcast where we, I actually this. did. So, oh, okay. Did you? Uh, okay. Yeah. okay. So, so yes, Kate really called me out on that one. Um, because <laughs> She was talking about runners who um, were similar in age, and I use the very aggressive term of era, and I'm, I want to <laughs> apologize to both of you in person. Yeah. That, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I've been watching you for a long time, and it's been really exciting. And one of the things I love about you, Kara, is how you've really used your voice to stand up for other women in this sport and around the world. And I think that that is really, really incredible, especially when you have a voice and you're using it. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I, I mean, I just kind of have to tell the truth, right? I feel like that's what it comes down to. And it took me a really long time to get there. I'm, I'm actually not super, like, I'm not a very aggressive personality. In fact, I'm like usually the opposite. Um, but I think when you see that, things need to change or someone needs help and you have the ability to do that, like it, you have to do it. You have to use your voice. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And there've been so many different instances in your career and spots where you've been able to do that and for different reasons. So it's not, you know, it's, it's one thing after the other for you. You've had such a, a incredible story and career as you've gone along that you've been able to do that in many, many places. Thanks. Yeah. It's been a long career, a long time, <laughs> but all mostly good. Yeah. So let's start a little bit like from the beginning and then we'll kind of get to where we are now. One of the things that I also noticed is how much you love family. And that is something that I really, truly understand. And I know Casey does as well. Um, I was really close with my grandfather and you um, were really close with your grandfather and he inspired you to run and encouraged you when you were young. So can you tell us a little bit about your favorite memory that you have with your grandfather and running and a little bit about that story? Yeah, I mean, it's so many incredible memories with my grandpa about running, even even at the end when he had dementia and he would only be clear for a little bit. He would um, when I would sort of lose him, he would be telling me about his granddaughter that he was so proud of that ran and that he got her into running. So like even at the end when it was hard to have like a long conversation with him, you know, he's it was just like he was so proud. Right. So I you know, my father died when a week before my fourth birthday. Um, and my mom moved my sisters and I from uh, New York to Minnesota. And my grandparents just became like secondary parents. They were around all the time. They came to everything. They babysat a lot. Um, and even after my mom was remarried for a decade, they still were just always around. I mean, all the time. And my grandpa was the one that got me into running. I just, oh, my sisters and I, he's, he's our North star. We just look up to him so much. And he was a lifelong runner. Like even in his early nineties, he ran on an alter G, which was like, so amazing. And he was like telling me all about it. And I was like, yeah, I know. That's the thing I've been telling you about, you know, and it wasn't about racing for him. It was really about like clearing his mind, dealing with stress. You know, he would run a couple of races here and there, but really like hardly any, he was really just in love with the movement of running. And so he was the one that brought me to my first race. And then we just really bonded over that. Like before I even knew I was like a good runner, we bonded over how it made us feel. And so I just, yeah, I just have such great memories. And it was, you know, he, once I got, started getting competitive and I wanted to try to win things. He would help me break down goals. Um, but like not in a very good way. Like I remember <laughs> I was trying to break five minutes in the mile and, um, he was like, cause I'd run five Oh one or something. And he was like, well, you know, you always lag in the middle. So let's go out in like a 67 and then you'll run a 75 and then you can have like an 83 and gather yourself, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds perfect. You're like, like, that is not how to run a mile. Right. But I'm not saying he was like super crafty and knew exactly what he was doing, but he just was always there. Always. His voice was always booming. And even when it, when I was older and he couldn't come to all the competitions, you know, he was always calling me the day before the day after. And, you know, just, it, he just was so invested and I, I just appreciated it so much. I, I love that story. My, my grandfather also had dementia near the end of his life and it is hard. It's, it's an interesting thing for you to be. I always said I was his favorite. So, <laughs> and um, he remembered me for a very, very long time. And then all of a sudden he didn't. And I remember the day he didn't remember me. And that was really hard. 
especially when um, such a big part of my life. So to have such a great figure to bring some of one of the things that you love so much to you is pretty incredible. Yeah. Dementia is horrible, right? If anyone has dealt with it. The last time I got to see him in person before he passed, you know, because they shut it down for COVID, I could only speak to him through a window. The last time I saw him, he said, Kara. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he was like, Kara, oh, that name makes me happy. But he didn't know who I was. And so it's just hard. You know, it's just such a hard thing. And the only person he really, really knew was a little bit my mom, but definitely my grandma. But it's just, it just steals so much when someone suffers from dementia and it, it's hard to watch. My grandfather also knew my grandmother and that was the last person he knew and the only person he knew at the end. Yeah. That says something about love, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. I mean, they, they were married for so long and you know, they had their rituals. And even at the end, when he was in memory care, she would still go over every day and see him and have a Mountain Dew with him. Their marriage is really inspired me. They, they worked through a lot. They dealt with a lot, but they always remain best friends. They always remain dedicated to each other. He obviously was our North star, but even his marriage was like something to strive for. So I feel really lucky that I had him and my grandma in my life. And the Mountain Dew? <laughs> yes, yes, they love Mountain Dew. Like, so they would split it. So they would work their property. They used to live out on Friedenberg Lake and they would work their property. And then every day in the afternoon, they'd have a Mountain Dew break. And they'd say, some days it would be a full Dew. Some days it would be a half Dew. <laughs> and so they have all of the great grandkids, even though they both passed in the last year and a half, they have, all of the great grandkids are addicted to Mountain Dew, my son included. I'm like, thanks, Papa. Thanks, Grandma. Um, Yeah, so it's really crazy, but my family drinks a lot of Mountain Dew. That's hilarious. (laughs) And it's one of the things when the grandparents or great-grandparents give it to them, you can't say no. No, of course not. Like, we'd go visit my grandma, and she, went before we could go in, um, she had, like, a ground-level apartment. So we'd just go, and she'd sit on her deck, and she'd come out with all these cans of Mountain Dew, and it's like, okay, here we go. Colt's teeth are going to rot out. But yeah, it's really crazy. All the great grandkids like love Mountain Dew now. Well, with that memory, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what lacks in nutritional value, it is full in, in sentiment and yeah. emotional value. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes people will write these like articles or um, blogs about if you could write a letter to yourself as a young runner, what would you say? Like, what would you say to someone either in high school or college or things like that? So I was wondering if, if there's like a piece of advice you could give a young female runner right now, what would it be? Yeah, it's interesting. I was just reading Allie Ostrander wrote an article yesterday about loving her body and accepting her body. And the line that really stuck out for me was when she was younger, people would say, oh, you're so good because you're so small but you know, wait till puberty. And that I heard so much because in Minnesota, you can start running for the high school in seventh grade. And I did, I was 410 and I weighed like 70 pounds. And, you know, I, I heard that all the time. And so then when I did finally go through puberty, I got my period in December of my junior year and my body started changing. I felt like I was failing somehow, like, Oh, you know, I did something wrong. I, I ate too much or something. And so I really wish, even though I have a very supportive family and supportive teammates, 
but I wish I had had like someone older who had been through that because the truth of the matter is I needed to go through that. I needed to grow and put on 50 pounds to become strong enough to handle the training that then allowed me to become an Olympian. Right. And the times that I was running back then, now I can run a half marathon at that pace. So, but I didn't know that, right. I just felt like, Oh, this is what happens. Then we get slow. And I just wish I had had someone older saying, no, 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 this is actually really good. It's going to be hard for a year or two, but this is going to make you so much stronger. You're going to be able to handle more training. You're going to be stronger, which in in effect is going to make you run so much more faster than you could ever imagine. I love that you bring that up because this is like my main soapbox as a physical therapist. And what I I talk about all the time is in terms of um, how do we talk about our bodies? How do we represent ourselves um, both in like social media and kind of carry ourselves as runners. And I I do, I find it incredibly sad that um, there's still this kind of stigma around like, what do you look like and this correlation with performance? And there's just, you know, there really isn't a whole lot of data to support it. I always say, you know, healthy athletes are the most successful athletes. And so if you're finding your physiology, you're not going to get the best out of yourself. And you know, I'm always trying to think of ways that we can talk to high school runners about this. Cause I think that, you know, it's a common experience, you know, just like puberty is a common experience, menopause, all of these things are natural things that happen, but no one talks about them. Um, and yeah, it's easy to think like, oh, I'm just going to slow down. I'm going to stay slow, you know, forever. Cause you know, as a high school athlete, you don't see beyond that. And so I did read that, that post um, from Ali as well. And it did, it like hit me right, you know, right in the heart as well, because I think it's just something we need to educate people on because it's just not talked about enough. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that it leads to, even for myself, you know, I definitely was not kind to my body in college and it was really just a year, but then I paid for it. I was injured nonstop for about three years after I had sort of danced over that line. And I knew, I knew I shouldn't be doing it, but I was having success. And I think like it sort of leads into that, like without that proper knowledge of. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're fueling yourself properly, your body will be where it's supposed to be. And you're going to just keep building. The longer you stay healthy, the more you can build these workouts. And so it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's years and years. And, and to be able to do that, you have to treat your body right to build those years. And so... It's tough because when I think about like my running career, high school through professional, everyone struggled at some point with something like that. And that to me is like just really sad. And it seems like it's continuing. I wish we were talking about it more, educating more. It's just lost years of an athletic career that don't need to be lost. I think so too. One of the things I wonder about is, you know, we're often talking to a lot of athletes and you said that you were dancing around the line and you knew you were dancing around the line, but you kind of did it anyway. How do we get that message across? How do we actually get people to hear us when they know that they're dancing on that line? Some people don't know, but if you know, what do we need to say? What do we need to do to educate more women and more athletes about this? 
think it's talking about the long-term consequences. Like it worked for a while. I won three NCAA titles. I had qualified for the Olympic trials in college, but again, by the time the senior track season had started, I was dinged up. And then I really just spent three years unable to race, unable to put anything together because every time I'd start to get fit, I'd get another injury. And at that point I was taking better care of my body, but I think it was just in a hole, you know? And so I wish we could really think long-term because whether you become a professional or not, you can always run and race, right? So you can Mm -hmm. still be chasing your own goals. I feel like everything is like right here, right now. And I don't think that social media and some of the high school websites help. I think that they're well-intended, but now the kids can see right now what someone else is doing right now. And then there's an automatic comparison. I could, did not know what anyone was doing because there was no internet, right? And there was the newspaper. I could read the local newspaper on Friday would like print the fastest times in the state. And then I think my junior or senior year, my stepdad started getting USA Today because they would print the fastest times. And I hated it. I hated it. He'd bring it in and I would see, oh my gosh, I'm running, you know, I'm running 11.15 for two miles and there's girls running 10.15 for two miles, right? So it just, it starts the comparison game earlier and earlier and earlier. And I think that's a problem. Everyone's journey is different and you don't have to be running world-class times in high school. Those will come later if you take care of yourself and you see it as a long journey instead of this right now, I have to do it right now. Great advice. I hope that a lot of our young listeners (laughs) will heed that advice. It's hard. It's hard because the comparison game is so easy right now. And you can see that a girl in California or that a girl in Minnesota or wherever is like running super fast. And it really becomes, I think, part of the coach's job to really make them focus on themselves. All you can do is your own progress. You can't control anything else or what anyone else is doing. So if we always really bring it back to the athlete themselves and the process, the progress that they're making, and are they enjoying the journey? Well, that's the stuff that matters. Like if you're miserable, what's the point? You should just go do something else because it's supposed to be fun. And there's no way you can go from high school into your thirties and even your forties and fifties racing. If it's not fun when you're 14, it's definitely not going to be fun when you're 50, right? It's, I feel like we've lost sometimes the main message, which is that this is supposed to be an enjoyable long journey for all of us who love running and it needs to be enjoyable. Yeah. It needs to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I wish, I wish I could have heard this in high school because um, I definitely cared too much about the achievement part of it and like ran myself into the ground and it was, I enjoyed it to a certain extent, but I wouldn't have called it fun by, by any means. And I had kind of a similar experience. I mean, I'm not an elite runner by any stretch or wasn't placing in any regional meets or anything like that, but I didn't get my first natural period until I was 21, which is very late. Um, And I had really taken a toll on my body in high school when I wasn't even that good of a runner. I mean, there's a lot of mental health and underpinnings here that it's time for another podcast, but it's something I wish I would have, I wish someone would have sat me down and and talked more about the, the joy aspect and letting it be your own journey and focusing on yourself and not comparing yourself to what other people are doing. Because, you know, if you're not doing it for yourself, then who are you doing it for? Right? Absolutely. And that's when the times of my life where I felt like I was sort of resenting running. It's when it wasn't for my enjoyment anymore. It was for strict performance or to appease a coach or 
you know, then I would be like, I'm just doing this, but there's no soul behind it. And ironically, how I would get out of those periods is I would go back to Minnesota. I'd take a break. I'd run on the trails I ran on as a child, which were all so much shorter than I thought they were. But that's how I would reconnect. Like, no, this is what makes me happy. And I really had to learn. And I wasn't always good at it, but I had to learn how to put up some boundaries of like, I'm no longer doing this for me. I mean, I'm working so freaking hard. At least some of it should be for me, right? Like it shouldn't all be for other people. And that's tough. It happens to a lot of people, I think. I think so too. I think it happens a lot more with people who don't have supportive environments. And I know that you spoke about, or you have spoken in the past about how supportive your high school environment was in running and even in college um, and what it was like to have great teammates. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I had the most amazing high school coach. He kept the mileage low. You know, he could tell when I'd be nervous and he would be like, just do your best for the team. He was such a great guy. I mean, like literally like he smelled like coffee and cigars all the time. We, he <laughs> finally quit smoking. And then my senior year at the state track meet, I go, have you been smoking? He goes, Kara, I'm nervous. This is your last race. And I was like, what? <laughs> but the team atmosphere became so important and we became state champions. And it wasn't even necessarily that we were winning. We were dedicated. We were dedicated to each other anyway, but I think because we were so dedicated to each other, it did lead to success. And, you know, I struggled my last two years of high school quite a bit. And there are times I feel like if I hadn't been on that team, I, I might've quit. I might've been like, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm not, I used to be so good. I used to be state champion. Now I'm getting beat by my little sister. Like, I don't want to do this, but my teammates were, would rally around me and be like, you're the reason we won this meet or, you know, we need you to, we need your points. Like you can do this. And so I just loved that experience. And I feel so lucky because I know not everybody has that, especially when someone individually is good. Oftentimes they're sort of taken out and coached by a different coach or something like that. And I'm just so grateful that when I think about how competitive running started for me, it was with this very supportive group of girls and a very supportive coach, you know, it was just totally different. I mean, he, he would never have us run mileage or any. I remember the hardest thing he'd come out and he'd say, smells like a Glenwood, which was a five mile loop with a really big hill. And we'd all go, no, but then of course we'd do it, you know? And so he just knew how to keep it fun, but also he worked us hard in our own little way, but he always kept a bigger picture. And I'm really just so grateful that I had that experience because that's what I remember when I think about why I love it. Yeah. And I think that's what, what we all lose or parts of what we lose as we keep going and going along the way is that fun component of running or that it's not just about running. It's about life. And there's so much more than just Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, totally. You just become solely focused on an individual goal, which we've all been there and there's nothing wrong with that, but you lose the camaraderie, the invest, like you're invested in someone else's success. You have other people that you just need to talk to, you know, you just had a bad day, you just need to talk. And so as we get older, it's harder to maintain those types of communities and environments. And so uh, it's hard. It can be really hard, especially when you are fighting for your own goal, whether it's to qualify for Boston or to break 25 minutes in 5k, whatever it is, you know, then you have to start to put your training first rather than maybe a group run first. And so you can kind of lose that a little bit. 
I'm really appreciative for you, Kara, because I'm needing to hear a lot of these things personally right now. <laughs> I'm in this phase where I wanted to take the next five years or so to go after this marathon goal. And um, I do find myself turning down group runs and things like that. I still, I love the process of training, but I think it's, it's really important to come back to just running as running and all the things that are wonderful about it that aren't race times that aren't training that like, yeah, like going back and running, um, you know, on a route that you did in high school or something like that. So I am curious, like, what does running look like for you right now? Well, right now it's kind of a hodgepodge because I'm sort of learning. I was diagnosed with runner's dystonia last year and it was confirmed in February and the, all of 20. 21 was sort of a disaster. Like I'd run a lot and then all of a sudden I wouldn't be able to stand or walk and then I would get better. And so it's kind of all over the place. The doctor at the Mayo Clinic was like, you have to stop running. This is going to spread. You have to stop. My doctor in Fort Collins is a little bit more like, no, don't listen to that. You know, like we can respect that opinion, but let's see what we can get out of you and see where we, where we can find you. So Right now, my running is basically like two runs outside on like a crushed gravel surface. I can't go on a trail because I will catch my toe and fall because I just don't have a lot of control over my left leg. And I can't go on the roads and people ask me why. And I don't know why, but when I run on flat or smooth, not flat, smooth, I drift over to the left, I slip and I'll fall. And it doesn't make sense, but that's what dystonia does, I guess. So I do run three to four days on my treadmill and I tried to run on a treadmill. Actually, when I was in Boston, there was people all around and I started catching my toe there. I think because my treadmill is like against a wall and no one is by me, I feel more comfortable. So anyway, right now my running is uh, two days a week outside. You know, it just depends on if I'm having a good day up to nine miles is the farthest I've gone in a while. And then a few days on my treadmill. And then I do a lot of like, Kira Stokes fit workouts, which is an app um, on days that I don't feel well, but I'm hoping to be able to run more than that. I, for a while was struggling to walk. Now I, I found a medication that works really well and I don't have any problems walking. And last week I did do my first Botox treatment. And so it takes two to six weeks to find out if it's working or how it's working. But I think like just by nature, I'm a glass half full person. So I'm like, I think it feels better, even though it's impossible to know yet. <laughs> but um, a lot of it is mental, right? I'm just so, like, I think I do feel better. I think I do have control over my, you know, even though that's, I don't have control over my leg, like Botox deadened it. But so I don't know. It's, I don't know what the future looks like. I'm hoping that, you know, my thing is running outside. My thing is breathing fresh air. Like when I got this diagnosis, I bought like a heat lamp so I could just work outside and so I'm hoping to be able to run outside more. I'd like to be able to run more. I'd like to be able to run every day. But right now I can't do that. I'm sorry, Kara. I completely understand. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I lost running six years ago. I almost died training for a half Ironman because of a rare genetic heart disease. I actually ran the 2011 Boston Marathon when you were there oh. and all that. And yeah, so I understand. And it changes your life completely. And I don't know what it was, has been like for you for the last couple of years, but I had a hard time being in the doctor's office and looking around me and seeing all these people that looked sick and I didn't feel sick. Even like the fluorescent lights in the room or telling me that you may not be able to do this or you take this away, take this away. And then eventually they took 
you know, all of it away for me. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're not doing that with you, but it's a hard place to be. Yeah, it's a really hard place. And I, I have this mental battle because when I first was struggling, they found lesions in my brain and we thought it was MS. And then the spinal tap was negative for MS. And then I slowly started to get better. And then this fall got really bad and we rescanned my brain and the lesions hadn't changed. There were no new ones. They hadn't grown. But then I was struggling so much to even just walk that two different doctors told me I needed to be ready, that it could be ALS, which obviously is fatal. And so when I was diagnosed with this other thing instead. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I was like, why am I crying? I'm not going to die. I just can't run. Why am I crying? And so I've definitely gone back and forth on that of like feeling stupid that I'm sad and being like, it could be so much worse, but then also being like, but this is my thing. You know, this is my refuge. This is my happy place. And so it's just been a lot. And to be totally honest with you, I started going to therapy and stuff just because I just needed to deal with like how it makes me feel. And yeah, it's hard when something you love so much and is so connected. And, you know, like a lot of people say, it doesn't matter if you're fast. We love you anyway. Oh, I, I gave up fast a while ago, right? I'm not, I don't want to race. I'm not worried about that. I need the movement, like how it started me and my grandpa going running from his house to the Minuet and back. Like that's what I need. And so it's been, yeah, it's just been a battle of trying to be appreciative of what I have and not focus on, like you said, what you don't have and can't have, but definitely I go there sometimes and I'm like, I'll see people running and I'm like, (laughs) I think they get to run and I don't get to run, you know, it's oh, frustrating. I yeah. Oh, I, I so, I so know Kara. I mean, and the thing is, you're right. You want to be, I practice gratitude and I meditate and I do all of those things. And I also uh, went and saw a psychologist because I had a hard time coping wow. with the fact that I couldn't do what I loved anymore. And I was not a professional runner, but it was, you know, intertwined in every single thing that I've done my whole life. And so you're right. I think it becomes so much part of your identity that when you lose it or you lose it the way that you've experienced it, it changes you and you can be upset about it. And you said, it's just running. I should be grateful, but just running, it's part of your life. It's really weird. I forget, like, I have a friend who might come run Boulder Boulder. And I was like, well, yeah, we'll be doing it as a family. And then I got home. My husband was like, Carol, like you, you can't run on the roads. I was like, wait, I can't do that. I think like reflecting back on Boston, I always thought I would go back and do it for fun just because I was always heartbroken there, you know, wanting more. 
And it's such a beautiful course and such an amazing environment. I always like, I just want to go back and run it for fun and realizing that that is, you know, 99% off the table, even if I get better, like that stuff's hard. It's just like, it's just hard because I just never imagined myself being on the sidelines. I always imagined myself participating. It sucks. <laughs> it's, it's, it sucks. I thought I was going to be a 90 year old woman crossing the finish line and running with my son in all the yeah. five mile, one mile races. And, and that's, that's not it either, but yeah, it sucks, but there's a lot of good too. I mean, you'll be able to tell your story and um, you are telling your story and already helping a lot of people. Yours, it just stinks that your story, man, you get to help so many people. <laughs> <laughs> every, 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 well, you know, when I, when I said on Instagram, shared my diagnosis, I was completely overwhelmed with the comments and the support and the reach out like so much so that I actually like had to disconnect and like take social media off my phone for a few days. And it was all positive. Right. But, you know, and that's why my family, they were the ones that were really encouraging me to share. They were like, you should share because you don't know who else it could affect or who you could meet through it. And I was holding off because I felt like if I say that I have it, then I'm admitting that I have it. You know what I mean? Like oh, sometimes yeah. when you're injured or whatever, anything in life, you're like, but if I, if I accept that I'm hurting or accept that this is real, then I'm like really actually accepting it. Or I'd rather just put it over there and pretend like, no, no, maybe it's, you know, so that was what was holding me back. I mean, I got the diagnosis in November and I didn't share until the second opinion until like my family was really like, you should do this. You should put this out there and you're going to feel better. And I did, I was overwhelmed, but I did feel better. Yeah. They told me I needed a defibrillator and I flew to Mexico instead. So I understand <laughs> about pushing it off and like not telling people. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm going to go lay on the beach instead. I, I think that's not going to work out for me right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, what's it been like for your family then in terms of, because I know I was saying for you, like my family and I, we can't do all the things that we used to be able to do. My husband and I used to run marathons together. My son, you know, he's definitely very active and I can't really chase him around as much as I used to be able to. What's, how has it changed your life? Uh -huh. I mean, my son, he ran cross country for the first time this fall and that's when it, I was in a bad place. And so I'd go to all these races and I'd watch my husband run around and cheer mm -hmm. him on. Right. But I had to, I couldn't run. I was like slipping even on grass or anything. It just makes me feel like I'm not living my life. I know it just, it's hard. Obviously I'm still there and I can cheer and I can watch him blossom into who he is, but I can't even tell you how many runs I turned down. Now people get it and they don't ask me, but I'd be like, oh, I don't know. My son's sick. Maybe we have COVID or I, I, you know, I worked late last night or just this weird, almost embarrassment of like, if you saw me run, you'd be like, what are you doing? A lot of my friendships are running based. Yeah. And so that's definitely been hard because I don't run with people. That I, I mean, I normally would run with someone five days of the week, different people you know, for like Emma Coburn's super easy day, I meet her. And then like, I have a friend Trevor that we meet and then Jonathan and blah, blah, blah. That's sort of my social experience. And now I don't have that. So that part's been hard. I miss, you know, like when you're running with someone and you're just open, yeah. right? Like running just makes you open. And I miss that a lot. I miss that a lot. 
Yeah, no, I understand that too. I mean, I remember having a Tour de France party at our house right after I was had my first um, surgery and everyone was talking about all their races and what they were planning on doing. And then eventually my running partners all started running together without me because they had to. And then right. it was, yeah. And you miss those conversations, the things you take for granted. For sure. Those are just the little things, but that like make you who you are and make you happy and make you set for the day. And I am thankful. I have, I know really good people. And the one person who I still run with, he knows to run on the left side of me. And if I run into him, he just sort of pushes me over. Um, and if I'm having a bad day, he's like, okay, he's not like invested in, well, I need to get this 20 mile run in or whatever. And then, but then I have another friend like Lisa Jung, who's like, let's go climbing, let's go skiing. Let's, and I'm like, no, I always tell her no. And then the next thing you know, I'm like climbing or, you know, um, but I need that. I need people like that, that are like getting me, forcing me to get out and get out of my shell a little bit. And so even though sometimes I hate her, I, I really appreciate her, you know? So I do feel like I have really good people in my life. But just like you, again, I miss the simplicity of, yeah, I'll meet you there at eight. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. So what other things are you doing then? So you're climbing and you're skiing and. <laughs> yeah. Well, so skiing, is probably hopefully done. Knock on wood. We did get a few snowflakes yesterday, but just cross country skiing at the local park, which is two blocks from my house. So Lisa got me back out skiing, which was good. It was really good. She also got me to try climbing. You know, I've been hiking with some people, although even hiking, if I, if I'm tired, it's not that enjoyable because I really have to, which sounds horrible because the person who takes me hiking heard this. I'm not mad at you, Um, (laughs) but I just have to like really focus and it's not as enjoyable as when you're just walking and talking and seeing everything. You know, I'm like really focusing on not catching my toe, but like I said, I've gotten really into these home workouts where I just go super crazy hard for 20 minutes and I'm lifting all the weights and I'm doing all the sit-ups and I'm doing all the things. And, you know, I just crave movement. Yeah. Even when I was a professional athlete after a hard season, I still couldn't just sit for a week. I craved like, well, can we at least go walk the dogs? Can we at least go do this? You know, just, I crave movement. So I need something. So I've been trying to shake it up a little bit, but if I'm being totally honest, like my goal is to have that still be running. That's my dream. I know I'll never be able to run 130 miles a week again. I'll never be able to run hundred. I'll never be able to run 80, but what if I could run 50? Like yeah. what, what about that? That'd be, that'd be pretty satisfying. I saw the picture on Instagram of you getting the Botox, both Casey and I were like, that looks painful. Was it, I mean, was it, was it painful? (laughs) Yeah. So I had an EMG. I can't even remember now when, where they test all of your muscles, they shock you, all that stuff. And that's when I found out I had neuropathy in my hands and feet. So loss of sensation, but not enough to cause my symptoms. So when I went to have the Botox, they do it with an EMG. So they know it's the exact muscle. So like you stick a needle in your muscle and you listen to it and you flex, you hear it. And then when you relax, it should be quiet, but that's not what was happening in mind. So that's how they knew that was the right place to put the Botox. But yeah, no, it was, I was just like, breathe deep. You know, it was only a few <laughs> minutes, but no, it sucked, but it, it was just a few minutes. It wasn't like a full on EMG where you're there for 30 minutes and you're like, yeah. It's a lot more painful than yeah. that's a lot more painful. Yeah. yeah we're so, um, yeah, we were talking about it because we both do dry needling and I know you've had 
dry needling you've had dry needling before um yeah we were like yeah definitely but definitely worse than dry needling <laughs> well hopefully- I love dry needling it's such a weird <laughs> sensation it hurts so bad but it gives you such relief like if I get it in my hip I like I'm looking forward to it and then right before I'm like oh, this is gonna hurt so bad but then it always feels better after so yeah I'm a fan of dry needling for sure us too. And we dry needle each other. At the, I, nice. I, I, <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. Kate curses at me. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's all good though. Right. Off. Like you always end up being like, Oh yeah, I, that does feel better. And so it's one of those things that as athletes, we are willing to take that pain to get relief. Right. So it's worth it. Absolutely worth it. Yeah. I'm going to record gonna... that clip to like tell people who've never had it before because <laughs> It, it makes no sense, right? Like I'm poking around. Does that hurt? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to stick a needle in it. <laughs> right. Can you feel that? Can you feel that? <laughs> Wait, is it worse now? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but the payoff, it's worth it. It is. Yeah. We're going to, we're definitely going to keep that clip somewhere, Kara, for all of our uh, <laughs> afraid patients. Let's use it. Yeah. One thing I've always admired about Kate is that she has taken all of her energy she used to use running and she's put it to creating this amazing business where I'm a physical therapist and she's written books. She's done all of these really amazing things despite not being able to run herself. I know that you alluded to having a project in the works so you don't have to tell us what it is, but are there things that you're doing now that you maybe are putting your energy towards that instead of all the time that you spent on the running side? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure that project, which I can't talk about for another month or two, but um, for sure that really dove into that, dove into these training plans for a platform that went kerplunk, really loved all that time of making those training plans. And then honestly, I was asked to audition for NBC while all of this was going on, like within days of finding out I had brain lesions and pouring myself into that and researching athletes and learning how to do that job has been really great for me. It's a way for me to have all that excitement about running and like a place to put it. So I feel, you know, like life is funny. I think if NBC had reached out to me when I was still running a lot, I would have been like, eh, I don't know. I don't have time, you know, but because I was going through all this, I was like, well, I mean, I could audition. I mean, I don't have anything else going on. So I think that project or just commentating in general has been a blessing. It's been, it's given me like a purpose, but it still involves the sport I love so much. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) You're so good at it, Kara. I have to say, like, (laughs) I love like, you know, running, I could, I could watch people run for hours. Like most, you know, people who aren't fans of the sport, they're like, you're just watching someone run down the road. Um, but I'm, I'm like deeply fascinated by it, but I could listen to you talk forever. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it's been a learning curve like this. Like I got to Tokyo and they were like, okay, sink or swim, but I really have enjoyed it. I work with really cool people and I've always been a track nerd. Like I said, USA Today, having to read other people's times in high school, which I hated actually, but um, I've always like enjoyed watching racing. I always like tape every meet just like you, Casey. I just love it. I never saw myself doing it. I never want, it was never anything that I like wanted to do, but 
you know, my husband was like, well, I talked to someone from NBC and she said, well, would you audition? And he's like, you should just do it. Like, just do it. And then I auditioned here in my office, my home <laughs> office. And my husband was like sitting outside working on the computer at, in the kitchen. He was like, I could not even believe that was you. You were like yelling and shouting. And <laughs> I was like, I think I might be kind of good at it. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> it's been a really fun adventure. And it was really fun. Like the audition was so fun that I was like, Ooh, yeah. If they, if they offer me a job, I'm going to take it. So you called the Boston marathon, which was great. And we were talking about that earlier, but what we were laughing about was you have to tell us the dress story. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I, first of all, I hate the on-camera time. Like I would rather like during the Olympic trials, we'd always start the track meet on air first. And I like asked the producer, can I just like not be on that part? She's like, yeah, no, that's not how it works. Like the job, you have to do that. So anyway, I hate the on-camera stuff. I love it when they give us polos to wear because then I don't have to think about what I'm wearing. The very first race I called last year, my very first one was Oregon Relays. And I had sweat through my dress before we even went on air. So I'd like put a coat on because oh, no. I was just so nervous, you know? Yeah. And so I actually like not having to worry about what I'm wearing. They give us the polos. So they send us polos for the Boston Marathon. They say, did you get your wardrobe? Yeah, I got my wardrobe packet get to Boston. And they're like, so what are you wearing? And I'm like, what? <laughs> so anyway, they brought all of these outfits out. I couldn't zip half of them up because I have gigantic lungs. And so they had to keep going back and getting like bigger sizes. It was actually kind of comical because she brought out like a tank top and a suit coat. And I go, yes, this is me. I feel comfortable. And she's like, yeah, it's not very flattering. <laughs> it doesn't very well. Oh, no. um, and she was nice, but she was like, yeah, it's just, not that flattering. So anyway, I ended up in this blue dress. I completely sweat through it, completely sweat through it. So like after I was done, I was like rushing to get to the airport and I was like, I'm sorry. This has to be clean. Thank you. Bye. I'm not sure. I think it was someone at NBC, like NBC studios has backup clothes. And so I don't know if it was like someone left it there or what, but I wore it and it was not mine. And those eyelashes weren't mine either. And the makeup wasn't mine or the, the hair style wasn't mine either. But it was really fun. It was a really fun day. Paul is great. I love Chris Waddell and it was really fun. It sounds like fun and an adventure. <laughs> well, it's a little bit different when your job previously was putting your hair up, putting on clothes and sweating. Yeah. And then now it's um, having your hair done, having to get dressed up in some kind of dress and putting makeup on. Yeah, I love, love, love calling races. I do not love that part. You know, if it were up to me, I'd just wear a Waddell tank top and yeah, my hair would be in a ponytail or it'd be down like it is right now. Like not flattering. It's not curled. So it's just different. You know, it was kind of fun last summer working with Sonia because Sonia is so good at all that stuff. And she's like, you know, she's like really good in front of the camera. And so I got to see like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to be, <laughs> but I'm still learning a little bit she just brings the energy and the excitement and she's so natural in front of the camera. And I'm like, so today or do I, no, but like get my face off. And then I relax and I'm like, okay, I can talk about this. I know this. So if NBC is listening, you know, really, I would love to not be seen, but I'll, I'll be seen if that's what the job requires. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get out of it, Kara. Yeah, I know. I don't think so either. Not at this point. No, no. Well, you're doing a great job. We, we enjoy watching you and, but I guess we're running nerds and, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm hardly on the TV, so I don't know why it bothers me so much, but 
not that bad. Just a little bit at the top of the show. I loved NBC's coverage of the race this year. I feel like they did such a good job of representing like all of the races. So the wheelchair division and the professional men and women relatively equally. I know this has been like, like I said, I watch every major marathon I can and the coverage isn't always equal. And I feel like they did a really, really good job this year. I, I don't want to like put words in your mouth, but the women's finish was amazing. Do you have like another favorite moment from the Boston marathon this year, or was it just like calling that amazing finish? Um, I think just seeing such incredible field lineup on both the men's and women's side with there not being London, you know, the fields were just so, so deep. The finish was crazy. And, you know, I'm commentary, not play by play. And I was kind of like stepping on Paul's toes a little bit because once it gets to a certain point, play by play takes over. That's their job. But I was sort of like, no, I'm going to keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) This is really, really exciting. I'm going to keep talking over you, which actually professionally was not cool, but it was just so exciting and the changes and the changes and the fact that they both seemed done at different times and then came back. And then obviously when I spotted Edna, coming under the, the, the freeway there, I was just like freaking out that she was going to be on the podium again. I mean, like she's, she and I raced against each other in incredible yeah, a decade ago. Right. And more than a decade ago, and she's still racing so well. So I loved it. And I was really, really happy for Nell Rojas as well, because she, I had talked to her quite a bit a couple of days before and you know, she had trained so hard, she had dedicated it, but she just wasn't, it just wasn't showing up in her races. And I think we all know now that she switched her, or she let go of her sponsorship, but I was happy for her that she was like brave enough to do that and was able to run the race she had obviously trained for and worked so hard for. So I don't know, that women's race was incredible though. It was just like, no one wanted to give up and when I would maybe think it was over, someone else would throw in a surge. I was like, this is really good racing. I'm going to step on your toes, Paul, because I want people to know how amazing this is right now. (laughs) Yeah, I was spectating Boston this year. We were about 400 meters from the finish on Boylston and they were still stride for stride. So I had no idea who won. I had to like Google really fast. Um, It was absolutely incredible. It was, you know what? It was like Des linden although she wasn't linden yet in 2011 it was that back and forth and back and forth and so close and you just don't know and i didn't see that i saw that on coverage later but it was so similar to that it was awesome and like i feel like boston has a lot of close finishes like it's one of the rare marathons where it's kind of rare for someone to run away with it right like usually they're coming down boylston and something's happening or someone's within striking distance and so I don't know. Boston just like sets up good races. Yeah, it does. <laughs> May the strongest quads win. May the strongest <laughs> yeah. quads win. Oh my God, I know they tear you up. <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> I was just looking back at, I think it was 2011. I No, it wasn't 2011. 2009 was the first time I ran Boston and um, I just decided to run it for fun, you know? And I like stopped and talked to everybody I knew because I had lived in Boston and then moved to Atlanta. Um, so I just was like, I don't know, like shaking hands, like walking down the road. <laughs> Somebody rubbed, like my IT band was bothering me. I laid down. Someone did my IT, <laughs> rubbed out my IT band on the side of the road. So That's funny. awesome. Boston That's awesome. Yeah, so, it is. It's just like a cool 
It was fun because we were there in the fall for the October version mm. and it was a little bit more subdued, right? Like everyone was excited to have racing back, but the field was smaller and all the activities weren't happening. So it was fun to see everything, like just the energy of so many people and the community. It, it was awesome. It was like how I remember it when I raced it. So it was good to see it back. Yeah. It's been an interesting few years. The Boston yeah. that I went to last year was completely different than the Boston uh, four or five years ago. So it's, it's nice that things are starting to come back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Kara, I think we're getting towards the end of our podcast here. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we definitely have a few questions that we like to ask at the end for everybody. And unless there's anything else you want to say, Casey. I mean, we have 5 million questions here. So yeah, we're, we're like, <laughs> we actually, forever. we've been, we've been doing really good. Like, I feel like it's been really good that it's almost an hour right now because I have, <laughs> I was like, do you think she could come more than once? <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? So three questions that we kind of ask everybody at the end. And the first one is what is the thing that you regularly do to take care of yourself? This is going to sound really dumb, but like, like a lot of athletes, I feel, I always feel like I should be doing something. And so I do gift myself a couple hours a week to watch like film television. And my husband will be, will walk in and I'm like, don't just keep walking. I need to watch the real housewives of OC, just keep going, you know? <laughs> so I do do that. And I like to do it in the afternoon when I should be doing something. I don't like to do it at night when we're all relaxing. So that's kind of my big time guilty pleasure that I do to just take time for myself. That's amazing. Love it. Afternoon <laughs> trash TV. Yes. <laughs> and I usually drink like a iced coffee while I'm doing it. Like Ooh. it's totally like my, I don't go to the spa, but if I did, that's what I would do. I just want to drink iced coffee and watch trashy TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so our second question is, uh, what is bringing you joy right now? Besides trash TV. <laughs> oh, um, hope I think super cheesy, but just getting those injections and feeling hopeful. And I think too, just like reconnecting with that bigger running community and at Boston a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago, just really made me remember why the community is so special. So I think obviously I love my family. They always bring me joy, but I think I'm getting joy just from hope right now. All right. And the last one is what is the one thing you love so much that you just have to do or eat or be part of? Like, what is that one thing? Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed with so many things. Like I have to walk my son to and from school. I have to eat chocolate every day. I have to move my body every day. I have to like connect with my family every day. I just like have my things and that's basically family movement chocolate. And so those are like my things that have to happen every single day. I love those things. <laughs> you and That's Kate perfect. are so similar. It's scary. Yeah. It's like, people are like, Ooh, like nice, expensive, dark chocolate. And I'm like, no, M&M. Like, I'm not, not discriminate. Well, see my, um, my office manager, I think I did this one other time, but um, she gave me this box. It says for emergencies only, and there's chocolate in here. Well, actually, oh, that's awesome. I ate the last piece of chocolate. So there's no chocolate in there anymore. <laughs> so emergency but there used happened. to be chocolate in there. <laughs> I love the key dangling from it. Like, of course, we're going to open it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was my Christmas present. I feel like it's pretty good because what is it, May? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, it lasted good. a long time. It lasted a lot longer. Long it would have lasted in my house. 
<laughs> well, Kara, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been so much fun. Thank you both for having me. And I apologize for being late, but it was really good chatting with both of you. And I like that you guys are thinking about ways to help this generation coming up and women and a lot of the things that we talked about that were stressors for us. I love that you guys are going after that in real life and trying to help people. I think it's so important. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that it resonated with you and that you learned something. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps increase our visibility within the platform so that more awesome people like you can find us. If you'd like to support us further, pretty, pretty please. You can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash more than miles. That's www.patreon.com slash more than miles. Or for a few dollars, you can help the show grow and keep going, as well as receive exclusive perks like monthly Q&As with us. Until next time, remember to run the mile you're in and that training is so much more than miles.